0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus addressed this parable to the Pharisees and the scribes. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival at home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sin who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What is obvious and straightforward to the Almighty tends to be mysterious and absurd and foolish to us. What we hear in our readings today underscores that truth. How different the mind of the Lord is, the heart of the Lord is, from our mind and our heart. Even though we have been made in his image yet as the prophet reminds us the thoughts of the Lord are so high above ours as to be practically unreachable unreachable unless he bring them near to us and this nearness this nearness of the unreachable God the unreachable love the unreachable wisdom comes to us in his word made flesh Jesus. And on this day we celebrate the wonderful mystery of the sacred heart of the Lord. We celebrate in no small measure the glorious foolishness of the logic of the love of the Almighty. Jesus emphasizes this with the question he asks as he tells this parable from our gospel reading according to St. Luke. Who wouldn't do this? And if we think about it, none of us would. What shepherd, having a hundred sheep, if one of them wandered away, what right-thinking shepherd wouldn't leave the ninety-nine behind to fend for themselves while he goes after the other one? And we would say, well, actually, I would kind of cut my losses on that, Lord. I wouldn't want to risk losing the 99. I would let that one go. And so right away, the Lord is speaking in a category space that is very different from our own. We hear this same point emphasized in our first reading from the prophet Ezekiel, where the Lord who says he will shepherd his people says, And my favorite members of the flock will be the ones that are barely hanging on, who require all of the extra work and all of the extra attention, who are so unhealthy that perhaps they'll be lost. They're the ones I'm going to pay attention to. And shepherding the sleek and the healthy will actually mean bringing them to a certain point of diminishment and weakness. And we sit there and say, that's exactly the opposite of how I would do that. I would build on the sleek and the healthy and the ones who function. I would privilege them. I would defend them. I would protect them. And I'd take care of the others when I could get around to it. And if I don't get to them, well, you know, that's just life. That's just how this unfair world works. And the Lord insists that that's not how I work. And St. Paul continues that note. Christ loved us and gave his life for us, not because we're his friends not because we've served him well not because we have treated him with such great honor and respect but while we were yet enemies enemies he laid down his life not to oppose us but to save us how different from how we approach things. How different even from our understanding of what heroism is. This is not the one who lays down his life to resist a wrong. This is the one who lays down his life for the one who's doing the wrong. What a remarkable heart this is what a remarkable love this is this mystery that we celebrate today this mystery that says my heart goes out first in love for the one who most needs it and not in some other way what a remarkable statement that is We don't take it seriously enough. When the Lord says, I have come to seek out and to save the lost, he means it. And it's not just a nice statement that we can put on a poster and hang on a wall someplace. This is how the heart of Jesus Christ beats. This is what brings him out of heaven. He doesn't come into this world to save us because we got it right. He doesn't come into this sin-fallen and wounded world because it's so wonderful, so perfect, and so healthy he just has to come and visit. It's not our holiness. It's not our success. It's not our remarkable generosity that calls him from heaven. It's our fallenness. It's our brokenness. It's the pain that dwells within our hearts. It's the fact that all too often in our woundedness and pain, we destroy ourselves and wound one another. All of those things, that make us frustrated and angry as we watch the evening news and say, tell me something that isn't bad. The Lord looks at all of those things and says, that's where I'm going to go. For the ones who are caught there, the ones who live there, and even for the ones who are doing those things because they're lost too. All of those we would push aside, all of those we would defend ourselves against, all of those corners of our own lives that we don't want to look at or face, that's where the Lord looks first and says, that is where I am will go. And the Lord looks at us and says, and who wouldn't do it that way? And when we face that question, we see where he is indeed unambiguously greater than we are. Because that is not where we want to go. That is not where we would naturally go. And yet, that is how His love moves. What an unspeakably great mystery. And the Lord continues, the Lord continues. And he says, And when the shepherd expends himself and moves, seeking that one who's lost, Not the many who are found. When he expends himself and he finds that one that is lost, what he does there is likewise important. The shepherd finds the sheep and he doesn't smack it on the back of the head and say, What were you thinking? The shepherd finds the sheep and he doesn't stand there and say, see what a mess you've made of yourself and your life. The shepherd finds the sheep because the point of finding the sheep is not to condemn the sheep. The point of finding the sheep is not to punish the sheep the point of finding the lost sheep who has punished itself enough in getting so lost is to lift the sheep up because the sheep can't find its way back home by itself. And so the shepherd picks it up. So however long it has wandered, however far away it has found itself, it does not have to return on its own. You know, what a remarkable thing. The shepherd doesn't hand him a map and say, here's where we are. Doesn't say, here are the coordinates, here's the address, punch the GPS into your phone, make your way back when you're ready. The shepherd goes to lift the sheep. And imagine how inconvenienced the shepherd has been. And yet Jesus speaks about this as if it is no inconvenience at all. How very different from our hearts. Because even as we do things like this, what do we say? I hope you appreciate all I've done for you. Don't ever make me do this again. And here is the Lord going out to that one that is lost changing the direction of his own movement, apparently, but we see that it's not a change. It is how he moves. This is who he is. This is what he does. His heart goes out to those who most need his love. It is the most natural thing in the world for Jesus Christ. And so the shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders. He carries it back. And what does he say? There is greater joy in heaven over one who returns in this way than over 99 who never left. And we sit there and we say, that's just not fair. What about all of those who were faithful and did the hard work? And where is their party? And why doesn't heaven rejoice and celebrate? Because that's not how the love of the Lord works. That's how our love works. We do the minimum. We don't go very far off course. And we think somehow that makes us good. We think somehow that makes us wonderful. We think somehow that that's a tremendous credit to ourselves. But that's the minimum. Not wandering away is not a great thing. Thing and not something to be proud of is the other point the Lord is making. Not wandering away is good, but it's also not much. Not wandering away doesn't mean I've lived well with my brothers and sisters, just that I haven't done much damage. Not wandering away also might mean I never tried to find the one who wandered. Not wandering away is not bad. It's not nothing. But it's not great. Note the Lord. But that one who is lost, that one who is in danger, is loved as much as the one who hasn't left. And because that love is great, because that love is great, it reaches, it seeks, it finds, because he will not abandon the most wounded, the most fallen, the most distant, the most lost member of his flock. And note the solution the Lord proposes is not build a better fence so that nobody wanders away. The solution is that when, they lo- when one wanders I find him. How different from us. We would rather just eliminate the issue. But the Lord says offense isn't enough because that's not love. That's just preventing a problem. Love seeks. Love searches. Love finds. And love returns. And because all of this is marked with love, the joy of the Lord in the return of that one is deep and great and mighty because love has reached its goal. And that's the meaning of this mysterious joy of the one who returns, the one who is brought back. Because love has been seeking. Love has been finding. Love has carried And when that one arrives home, love has reached its goal. And of course, love will rejoice. What a remarkable statement about the Lord. And how very important it is that we take time every year to be challenged by this beautiful and yet difficult example that the Lord puts before us. Because unlike the Lord, we ration our love. Unlike the Lord, we are selective in how we love. Unlike the Lord, we have found reason after reason after reason not to love. And here he gives us this example of a heart that knows no reason not to love. This is what we celebrate today. And it also means that the Lord longs to seek out within each and every one of us those wounded, those fallen, those guilt-ridden aspects of our own personal history, to love us there, to lift us there, and to return us to him. How absolutely wonderful that is. And... It is particularly important that we have an example like this today, because it is absolutely no accident that this very morning on this very feast of the heart of the Lord Jesus, in this country, the overturning of the Roe v. Wade precedent has finally happened. And on the one hand, on the one hand, that is a real reason for significant rejoicing. And I can't say that strongly enough. But on the other hand, in our rejoicing, we have to do more than clap our hands and say, now abortion can be restricted. Because all that is, is building a fence so someone doesn't wander. That's not bad. That's not nothing that is not unnecessary, but it's far from enough. The real response, the real pro-life response has never been merely a matter of overturning a court precedent. That's important. Evil must be opposed. But the real pro-life response is to say, what are we going to do about that deep woundedness in this world? That deep brokenness in our society which pressures so many in this direction. What are we doing about those who are lost and confused and puzzled and how do we reach them? Standing up for life in a Catholic way, standing up for life in a Christian way is loving life in the manner of Jesus Christ and that involves challenging what is wrong but it means a lot more than that there is a necessary and an essential going out because the true battle for life will never be won in courts the true battle for life and its dignity and its preservation and its defense is won by a love like christ victorious invincible relentless, that makes it a point to seek out the lost, to lift the lost, to love before it condemns, so that it doesn't have to condemn, to love, to reach, and to find. So the decision that the courts have gifted us with this morning is very much, not so much a final victory, but as a new opportunity and a new invitation. For those who in the name of Christ would defend life, to love anew and more perfectly in the manner of the Lord. What a remarkably beautiful moment that is. And here at Mass, what's going to happen in just a couple minutes is that same love which pulled him out of heaven in the first place, is going to bring him here again. And from this altar, the shepherd is going to come here. And on the one hand, we're the members of the flock who found their way home. And on the other hand, there's always that part of us that is still lost and wandering. And the shepherd comes. And into each and every one of our hearts, he comes to seek out that which in us is still lost to bring it back home. But he also comes to rejoice within your heart and my heart that we're not as lost as we used to be and we're not as lost as we could be. And to the extent that we have found our way back, his rejoicing in your heart and my heart is great indeed. So as you receive him today, let him seek you and let Him find you, and let Him lift you. But also, feel the joy that His heart has, simply in having yours near His. Amen.